Hi, and welcome to Time Out Coaching. Today we have a true legend of British basketball, both as an ex-player and as a coach. I'd like to introduce Coach Bob Martin. Today we've had a few technical difficulties. We had to switch over um, to WhatsApp, and so there is a little bit of uh, a, a lag at the start. Um, and we actually jump into it um, a little bit late and also if you're going to watch this on YouTube the formatting is slightly different uh, but I think you'll really enjoy what he has to say um, during our conversation. Um, and so you go to, to coaching college in, in, in back in the USA are you um, are you given a specific role there? What 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 type of uh, what are you, what are you doing there? You know that 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 you know could have uh, you know that was were you doing individual skill development? Were you doing recruiting? What what was your role with the with that with the head coach? A major role was the recruiting. I'd I'd be on the road all the time watching high school games and speaking with parents and. Speaking, we could, you couldn't talk to the players at that time with the rules, but speaking to the parents and my specific role with with the college with the team was I was actually in charge of the defense. People laugh at that. But <laughs> <laughs> I was in charge of the defense. Coach Holmberg would say, "You better know everything that I, we're doing, and you better know how to deliver it." And we, you know, I did the press, and I, we worked on our half court uh, defense, and that was my main role. And also individually working with freshmen new players on their you know to develop their shooting sure and was there you was was what did coach Holmberg did he have uh what was his philosophy defensively was it traditional you know force you know side you know sideline baseline you know kind of the Bobby Knight principles or was it you know something just you know a little bit different at that time he was he was a bit different than than a lot of programs because we he had he had us get after it. You know, we denied the inbounds pass all over the court. Um, denied, full denial. Everybody was helping each other. It was it was a, a team philosophy defensively. You know, and there wasn't. And he was very much into the videoing and, and studying films, which I don't I, I don't think it's as big now as it was then. But he used to he knew everything about the other team. Sure. And that's we'd get after him on defense accordingly. If we right. knew they had a couple of shooters those guys were identified you know where, where they like to play where they and things like that it was it's, it was really big you know to know that kind of thing and to have coach Holmberg to teach me that philosophy and, and am I am I not uh I don't want to say that we're back in too too far but I would have thought that that would have been you know like uh um Video, uh, sorry, uh, Super Eight to Super Eight, kind of splicing that type of video, or, or or getting the reels, the actual reels. It wasn't. Was it a VHS time almost at that time, or not? Uh, it was that there was there was film, and then there was then the video came in. That was <clears throat> that was like a uh, modern breakthrough. But we always had the the big eight track, you know, like things. We, we did, you know, we just sit there in the office and, and watch. If you had a bad game, he'd get you in the office and he'd, he'd say, sit there and watch and I want you to critique yourself. Yeah. You come out of there, you you want to jump off. But it, it, it was, he was big into that. And I, I believe in it myself. We, we used to do, we did a lot of that here. Yeah, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. And uh, so that's a really interesting point about this pressing pressure system because, I mean, you know, obviously back, you know, I mean, defense, the game has changed considerably now. And I'm also someone like yourself that, um, you know, I can't believe how soft the defense has become. Um, And I think that that's part refereeing and the way the rules have changed. But back then, that still would have been quite, you know, like a, a, a different philosophy, like you say, you know, being really aggressive on inbounds. And um, so that's something, is that something that you, that was one of those components you took from him and that you just kept with you as a, as a coach? Yeah, that, uh, I, I just enjoyed playing that way. So I thought if I'm going to coach, I'm not going to try to coach a slowdown method because I'm not going to have fun. And if I'm, if you're not having fun as a coach, you're probably not going to stay in the game that long. No. You know, I, I never did it as a job, really. I mean, I got paid, but I didn't do it as a job. I sure. did it because I love doing it. But to see the guys out there having fun and tearing up and down the floor and getting after it and, you know, like pressing and, you know, not being afraid to pressure somebody, no matter what team it was, we'd get after it. I remember great coach Humph Long giving us a huge compliment in the final four. when They beat us by a point. He, and they won the final by about 40 points. And he came up and said that was the best game they played in two years. He said the way you came after us, you know, with respect but no respect. And I, yeah. said, I, I never forgot that. that. You know, he was a he was a great coach. Yeah, he was a great coach. Okay, that's great. Um, so coming to the end of that eight years, what was the what was the catalyst to bring you back to to the UK? What was the thing that changed? Well, if, to be totally honest. If, my wife's British, so she would have, uh, she got homesick. Right. Or else I probably would have stayed there because the day that I left, Coach Homberger got me in the office and he thought he was going to kill me because he was going to retire and he wanted me to take, you know, he wanted me to be wow. the head coach there. Wow. But I just said, ah, it's not going to work because, you know, like, I'm not saying we, Louise, my wife would have stayed, but sure. she was homesick and I liked it here. And I, I don't know why, I just had this feeling that there was something for me to do here you know, with the kids and, and it's turned out brilliant. So, so from, from America, you come back to the UK. What was the, what was the next stop after that? Pardon me? What was the next stop when you came back to the UK after college? I came back to coach Doncaster Panthers and, um, I don't like, but unfortunately it didn't, didn't really work out. They went bankrupt and I had to, really scramble you know and i i was fortunate to meet up with a guy that employed me just to work with kids in the schools and he he owned a company that dealt with basketball stuff and then one thing led to another and then uh the danham school and technology college offered me a teaching position because i'm a qualified teacher so i ended up going to danham staying there for 15 years right and that that, so i was quite fortunate that that worked out the way it did because didn't know, you know, when it, when things went went under there, I was, it's a bit worrying because yeah, sure. you know, you could, but everything came out good, and I ended up at Danem and we built our teams there, and a lot of players came through. It was really, you know, it's been fantastic. So, um, just go back to the Doncaster Panthers. I mean, that would have been um, who were the players on that team? Was that at the end of Ian Day's um, career, or what was the? Ian time? didn't he didn't play that season, right? 
probably unfortunately because we, we you know, he's a darn good player. Yeah. And they, but he, he was, he came to the end of it and like John Belk. They, they, some of the players that were there, unbelievable. They called it a day and then they came back. They, another owner came in and that's, that's who I dealt with. And they, and it wasn't, well, I don't want to say that, but no. it was it was wasn't totally organized. Sure, sure. It, if you think of the Panthers before, and then that that they were they were brilliant. Well, or Morris Wordsworth you know, running the show, and anyways, that it just didn't it didn't work out. But they had they had some darn good players, and Chris Bycroft. They had they had a six eleven, six seven foot, six ten across the line. Yeah, you know, they were. Yeah. So they were they're pretty tough. Yeah, definitely. So when you were coaching at Danham School, you were you being um, asked to coach, you know, semi-professional or professional teams? Do, what what was that process in that time? I just coached. We had uh, under sixteen and under eighteen teams, and I didn't have anything to do with the with any more of the professional game because I had a teaching job, which was it was really a godsend because I was employed by Danem school and technology college. And that, you know, that just gave us that security. Sure. And so I just coached the youth teams and that was it. Yeah. That's great. And like you said, a lot of these camps that were, you know, in, in and around, um, uh, what was when you're coaching the, your younger players and we're going to get onto that, you know, about the types of players that you worked with, um, like, do you, is there something that like you're, you're saying you take these core values of like you know the hard work and the conditioning and then you build them into uh, the fundamental skills I mean what what talk, talk to me about that process what what's like those cores that core parts that you believe in and you know have to be attained because I've seen some of your sessions and I've seen you know I watch video of some of those sessions as well and you know that's really like hard hard sessions these are like these are not easy easy basketball sessions I, I try to when I go to do the sessions, I try to make them intense because I want the players to leave, knowing that that's the level that you have to work yourself at. A lot of my camps are more designed towards individual player to go home and go in the backyard and know how to work out rather than going out and shooting and you know like going back in getting a donut and coming out and shooting a few more shots. Yeah, you got to do you got to put the work in, and it making up things in your mind that, that are kind of, they might seem goofy, but I like the things I do with the bench and various things, you know, they do them. Yeah. That's going to make you better. I always had a, a mentor, Butch Comise, Howard Comise, who played for the Knicks and Pistons. And what he, he used to say, make sure that you're working harder than the guy that you think is the best player in your position all the time. Sure. And it was a good philosophy to go by. He'd say, who's first team all city at the guard? I say, uh, Jimmy McHugh. Well, go whoop him. <laughs> yeah. Do everything he can to get better than him. Yeah. And he was right. But that's what I try to get over to the kids. Don't, you know, don't base yourself on this person. Base yourself on the best one in that gym and go get them. Sure. And I, I'd love doing the sessions because, yeah, I get some intensity and it's just my, it's, it's a passion. I, I just, I love doing them. I mean, that obviously comes over in everything you do. Um, I'm just trying to, to, to get an understanding of, you know, 
like have you evolved these sessions like over a period of time or do you feel that uh, there's still like a core from you know from when you were a younger person younger coach um you know how how did you develop all of that stuff yourself because like i said some of this stuff is like really intense and you know there's real thought in in your processes um and it's not like something that um you know you can just explain over like say even a podcast well, I've just had the philosophy that, you know, basketball is the hardest game in the world. You know, a lot of people won't realize that, but physically it's the hardest game in the world. You got to, somebody's trying to torture you all over the floor. You know, they're in your face. You get, you know, you get hit about 50,000 times in the game. <laughs> Everybody says it's not a contact sport, but I've always had the philosophy that, you know, like you need to make your practices harder than your games than a game. Yeah. Because then when you get to a game, you know, you're, you're a step above everybody. And as far as working out, you, you've got to have that philosophy. You know, like if, if I'm, if I'm going to take 50 shots, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to take 25 at hundred percent pace and 25, maybe at 50% pace, but emphasizing something else in, in that, you know, like the foot, foot position, um, hand position, I'm making sure that these things are right. This, that it's just, a I just believe in, I, I always believed in, in hard work and the guys, I did a, did a session one, a couple of years back, turn around and I couldn't believe it. You know, you got the Van Oostens in there and the, you know, you got guys 35 years old showing up out of the blue. Oh, I just want to work out, yeah. you know, and they like it. And every one of the guys, but then you look across, it's like uh, who's who in British basketball. They were, they all came in and it was, you know, but that shows that they, they, they want, those are the guys that make it because they, they do what it yeah. takes to make it. Yeah. We're gonna I've never get... seen a harder worker than the two Van Oostens, I'll tell yeah. you. <laughs> Not, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right there. And Nigel, Nigel's a great, uh, he's actually a shame because he's, he's, you know, he spent almost his whole career in, uh, in Holland, but uh, you know, he's a, a great example of a player that, um, didn't have the, I mean, his brother is the more naturally talented player, um, but Nigel was just out, out, you know, worked to get to where he's got to. Um, and, and we miss, in my view, we miss those type of players in our country. We, there's something missing about those type of players who can incrementally get better, you know, year on year and keep getting better as a professional, a very durable, um, and are just really important mainstays. And if you, in my Great view, role models. Yeah, they're role models. And if you, if you look at say, like Lester Riders, like Rob is, does a great job of identifying one or two of those type of guys and brings them in and keeps them in his program because those are the type of people you need. Um, we just don't have enough of those in, in the whole of the sport. Um, talk, how did you get involved with um, East Durham? Um, and, and was that, you know, what, what was that? How, how did that work out and uh, that whole process there? Well, that's Craig Lynch again, because Craig was the director of basketball there. He called, I lost a job at, uh, you know, with, uh, at the Panthers and Craig calls up and says, get up here. And I, you know, I saw, I said, so he said, it's not a full-time job, but I can give you a part-time to start with. And it, it developed into, well, it was, at the time, it was fantastic. But yeah, I went up there and worked with Craig 
for, and it was it was probably the the first. That, it well, was. I would, I would, uh, I mean, Curtis had his academy at South, not Nottingham, but that was after you guys. I mean, you know, we're talking about if I was the head coach at Newcastle Eagles from 2000 to 2002 and I came down and did those kind of like, you know, appearances occasionally, um, you guys were running an academy 20 years ago. I mean, that's by far, the, there, there was no one running something like that. I, not to my knowledge, um, anywhere in this country. I mean, maybe I could be put wrong by someone, someone, one of our, one of the viewers and stuff or listeners, but I'm pretty certain that East Durham was the first academy um, that went out and took kids from different parts of the country. Um, so talk, just talk a little bit about how that process worked and uh, how you developed that and the type of players that also came through. Well, this is, I don't want this to sound wrong, but I i took a lot of flack because of the fact that I, I was actively recruiting players from other clubs. But the fact is, I'm not, it wasn't for me, it was for them. I knew what we had. We had a setup where you can go against 20 of the best players probably in the, in the country. Yep. At your, every day, we practiced every day. Two a two a days, two a days, yeah. And you, I'm not, I'm offering them an opportunity to do that. And guys came from everywhere. I mean, we had guys coming in from Birmingham, Liverpool, London, well, anywhere. Scotland. But they, Scotland. They had, it was a great setup. Yeah. It, it's based kind of like on an American system, but they went to school. They had to be a student athlete. Sure. People didn't realize that if they didn't do the job, I wouldn't let them play. Yeah. And they they had to get in the classroom. And we had some brilliant players. I mean, one of the best guards I ever coached, John Simpson. Unbelievable. Yeah, a missed talent. Yeah, they're just, yeah. They're, well, there's so many. There was a lot of them. We had a bunch of Liverpool guys that could play. But it was great sessions. Yeah. We just went at it. And they were, they were so, but I did take a bit of flack. They'd say, well, you guys are going, you're poaching players. Poaching players. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm poaching, I'm not poaching. I'm giving them an opportunity to be, sure. be here and get the best they can be. Yeah. Whereas they could be at their club. They'll be the best one by 10 miles. Is that doing them as much good? Anyways, I'm getting off the subject. No, 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 no. It's an important part of the subject because obviously now, you know, there's, there's, there, there is still the argument with, I mean, and look, you know, our game at this moment, our junior basketball game is based on academies. It's uh, one of the only parts of our sport that's commercialized where you know coaches can actually be employed to coach the game of basketball and be paid um recommend recompensed in some sort of way so i'm not i'm not advocating pro or against there are there are arguments both ways but you know at this moment you know east durham was the was the was the the bedrock of that and you know it's disappointing that you took you know that kind of criticism but again you know our sport is very slow to change its kind of uh, you know understanding and i think that also just last point i want to make on it is that again that just shows you how people's mentality of this small mindedness has sometimes kept you know our game from from really rising because they, you know, they're, they're, they're keeping those kids at that local level. Yeah. They, I never, I never, never felt guilty. That's for sure. Cause I knew what, what they were getting and that that's what they deserve. You know, you don't, you deserve to get the best you can and not be held back. 
Yeah. And a lot of those guys went on to get scholarships and went went a lot further with their games. Sure, absolutely. Um, let's go. Uh, we'll talk about this uh, just very quickly about the well, not quickly about the um, shooting. So um, your philosophy, you know, talk about like how you build the shot up um, and some of just the court, you know, the key key aspects. Um, and then I'm going to come back and ask you a whole series of questions as well. Well, with shooting, 90% is patience. You know, they, you got, you, you have kids that they, they want to shoot the ball today. I want to, I want to be able to hit the three today. So I'm going to shoot a hundred threes. Well, they can't throw it that far. My philosophy is you start out at five feet, four feet, and you, you work on it hand position on the ball, body balance, release, extension, follow through. And you do that until, and then you, when you earn the right to go back, you go back a half a step and it might take you eight months to get to 10 feet. But my, what I'm saying to them is how old you're 10 years old. Okay. If I could tell you that by the time you're 11, you'll be shooting a 10 footer. Perfect. Would you be happy? Like, yeah, but they, it's a process. And you can't, you have to have, there's only one way to shoot. People would disagree with that. I've been called out on that a couple of times, but there's only one way to shoot. You get your hand position on the ball. You don't, it doesn't change. You know, you're, you've got the, you know, like L shape, forearm in line with the target, release, extension of the arm, follow through. Body balance is really important. You, You know, like get kids to body balance. I do a lot of dribbles where they have to plant and go up. Are you... Yeah, you know, like using benches and. Are you a two foot or one two count, coach, or can it be both? Kind of a. You know, somebody asked me that question before, and I I couldn't even answer it. Right. I couldn't because I I just it's just balance. You know, you if you're if you're coming in, you're coming up on somebody, and you're gonna shoot a pull up jumper, if you might go, right right left boom. Or if you get a two foot, you jump on a two footed stop, you still go up. It's, it's it's kind of a, it's difficult to, for me to say. Right. No, it's saw, a, it's a, a I didn't like, so. <laughs> it's a, no, no, absolutely. But it's a, it's an interesting point because actually, um, Gary Maitland, who did the podcast two or three weeks ago, young individual skills development coach, he, he's now, you know, and he's listening to these guys that are coaching these NBA guys, but he did say that, you know, some of the foot position isn't the, the real key. It's more about, you know, the balance and, and how you, how you can vertically go up and, and maintain the balance as, 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 as the, on the elevation. So that's a, that's an interesting point from yourself. So, so a really, you, really great, uh, camp that I used to go to, the shot doctor in Indiana. It was he, the guy was called the shot doctor, and he used to he he gave a point one time that I never forgot. He said, "Put a funnel." There used to be a show on called Get Smart, which that shows how old I am. But it, he, there was a there was a funnel, and he said, "Get this, get in this funnel, and when you go up for your shot, don't let either arm or legs touch the side of the funnel. Have that in your mind." And you'll 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 develop into a good shooter because you can release the ball. It's all about body balance. Not if you're leaning one way, you're shooting against each other, against yourself. And it, it's just a good point that he made about sure. you know get have, being inside of a funnel, 
and going straight up and straight down. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And so when you're teaching now, um, I mean, this, once you're starting to develop the, the core um, techniques of the shot, um, and then obviously these, these kids now, they, they want to get back to the three-point line as quickly as possible. You know, what are some of the key points that you're, that you're stressing? Are you stressing that, you know, you've got to keep working to get back there and you, you want the same form from two, two to three feet away all the way to the three-point line? Is that one of the key points? That is, the, that to me, is the key point. They have to... They have to prove to them. They have to be patient. Prove to themselves that they can make a four-footer correctly, and not just two or three. They have to make forty out of fifty. Then they can go back to the a, a foot, make forty out of fifty. Be patient, and I'm not, you know, I'm, but that's how I learned. I was fortunate to have very good mentors, but they made me do it. I remember Butch Comeyes hit me in the side of the head with a ball one time because I was I was shooting an eight-footer, and he told me not to go outside of six. And he fired a hundred mile an hour pass and knocked me out. Right. I didn't go out any further than that again, but it was a, it was a philosophy that he, he put into us and he was a great shooter NBA guard for years. But we're in a quick fix society. So everything, you know, everyone wants like, everyone wants to go from a to, you know, T without almost missing everything out in between you know that's what i tell all, all these coaches you know like uh you know some of the stuff you're teaching you're trying to teach a um motion offense when they can't even cut receive and face up to the basket i mean you know how can you get to to a running you know they ask me you know how can i teach motion offense better well first of all these kids need to understand the individual fundamental skills of the game so when it comes to shooting that's what i i'm 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 going to bring this on to my next question because i think it's really important this is you know uh and i'm I'm less phrase it in a minute but you know what where are we going wrong in the uk where are we going wrong well, I think we need the situation here is that there's too many. I don't like. I don't want. But I have to say it. There's too many clubs that they they worry too much about. Is somebody oh, are they interfering or uh, is he making me look bad because all the kids are looking at him and they're listening and I don't know. That's the coach Holmberg used to. We I went went to Bobby Knight's camp. Johnny Orr. Sure. We were told we were going. Period. And you went there and listened. And the philosophy has got to change here where we feed off of each other. I mean, I would like, I'd do a shooting camp anywhere anybody asked me. Sure. And I'm not talking about the finance. I'm talking about I would do, I'd help out. I'd do it anywhere, anytime because I enjoy doing it. But I don't get asked as many times as I would, yeah. I would like because I, I think that some people don't, you know, they, they're saying, uh, I don't know if you know, he's going to make, he, uh, the kids, kids like him. He's going to, you know, that's, I don't know if that sounds, I'm not being egotistical. It's just a matter of, uh, in, in clubs, they, they, they hold on to the player too, too tight. Let them go. Yeah. You know, like guys coming to Durham, let them go. Yeah. It's their, their right to do that. And it, the thing I've seen over the years here is just a bit of, a bit too much of a, too much worry about not you know who's getting the credit for something absolutely if that makes sense no it makes a hundred percent sense 
I just want to, I'm going to go on a whole rant in a minute uh, and you'll understand why, but, um, but, but going back to the pure technique of shooting, um, explain to me, you know, like you, you know, just in, in the Sheffield area alone, you had McKinney, Swain, um, Payne, you know, you know, pretty much you can name a couple others as well that came from this kind of like small condensed area. Um, you know, why, why do we have one or two players, but we rarely are producing, you know, like what they would on the continent, you know, a whole series of players. Why is it that this, the skill that's so important, we're, we're such a poor nation in developing it? Well, you said it before, and it, it is it's the, one of the biggest things in developing into a great shooter is to be patient. Now, um, is Michael, it's Michael Payne, and he, he's a great shooter. Somebody taught him properly, and he was patient. He got in a gym and did it over and over and over to develop into that shooter. I'm not – but the best shooter that I've ever seen in this country is my son, not Matthew James, my older son. He was an absolute if – if he's open, it's in yeah, type shooter. Sure. He, he could light it up. But he used to – he you know, he, he listened – he went and did the drills and get back from practice, be out in the backyard shooting another 200, sure. you know, and, and correctly. And you could see it. My thing is that there's too much emphasis on athleticism, getting to the basket, dunking. You know, a kid asked me the other day, how can I, can you show me some stuff to dunk? And I said, yeah, I'll show you 50 things, but that doesn't mean you got to dunk. And he was, his mouth was hanging open because he thought I was going to say, you know, some miracle, sure. but it, no miracles don't happen. You make them happen. You got to, you got to want to be a shooter. Listen, get somebody to teach you properly and do what you're told. I told these guys to a chair drill. I know I'm getting off the subject again, but you sit in a chair and shoot the ball will make you a better shooter because it, it, it makes you extend your, your arm or else the ball is going to go out and, you know, you're going to get up and chase it every time. Sure. And it, sitting in a chair and shooting the ball is a great shooting drill that you know laying on your back and shooting a ball if you shoot it correctly it'll come right back down to you if you don't you're gonna have to get up and it it, those are simplest things but you know they're they're not exciting no but you have if you do that you can develop into a shooter but it takes patience and like you said you know now's a time when everybody wants everything to happen today you know like i go to a shooting camp and i hope i know some of the kids are thinking I'm going to leave here being a great shooter because Bob's going to teach me. That ain't going to happen. No. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give them a foundation, but then they have to take it and, and work with it. I've seen them, seen kids do it. I go back to his camp and kids improved over the years so much. And I'll think that guy's been working. Yeah. Just um, so I'll go on this little kind of mini rant and ask you a question from it. But um, those who know me, um, know that um, had I stayed in the Great Britain uh, head coaching role, um, you were going to, I was going to propose you to be the national shooting coach. Um, and like, these are, these are the type of things that um, we're not really thinking this through as, as a sport, in my view. Um, has the governing body ever thought about this, you know, ever talked to you about, hey, you know, we want you to run you know, a series of 20 clinics all throughout the country um, just on shooting, you know, both for players and for coaches at that area. Has that ever been, like, talked to you about or, you know, has anyone come up with that idea? 
Uh, that's a this is a bit of a sensitive issue for me because I've been here 22 years. There hasn't been one time when anybody from the governing body, except when you said to me that 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 about the shoot being a shooting instructor, I've never been asked to do anything. Wow. The only person that ever had me do a session was Todd Cawthorn. Wow. A few few years back, he asked me if I'd come and do one for some of the England players. But other than that, and that, well, I, it doesn't matter. That that goes back to the what I said before about I don't know if they don't want me in because I'm good at it, or they yeah. you know, and they're not. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean. Asked. That's that's a, that's it's a strange it's a strange uh, situation because um, there's no doubt um, you know we're, we I, I keep coming back to this you know look um, where we have raw talent we know we do we we have some great talent we have um, somewhat of a setup now which has some semblance of structure with this academy program we have national league program. All right, okay, it, it kind of goes into some university stuff and there is a pro kind of situation above. Um, but, you know, we're, we're still woefully short of developing, you know, some of these, you know, it, it's okay, it's great. Mackie, uh, Matty Ocarus, um is, is, is a great shooter, you know, and there are two or three other kids around the country that are great shooters, but we should have 50 great shooters, 100, 1,000, you know, like there is in all of these other countries. And those kids, you know, some of them might just be, you know, good national league or professional players. Some may go to America, some may go to Europe, but we just don't have the, you know, there's, the, it, it, it's, it's crazy. I just, I, I'm seeing a big deficit. And the game in this day and age is built around the three-point line. So we, we we could be we could be struggling, you know, more and more and more. I mean, if we if we can't produce these players, so it is a disappointment um, that you're that you you know someone hasn't approached you in in any any sort of way. Well, it it's it is disappointing, and you know, like for me, it would have been an honor to do it, and I've been fortunate that to be able to go all over the Midwestern United States and. All, all around England and a bit in Europe and, and work with great shooting coaches and deliver my own philosophy. But yet, I, they don't feel like it, I could do it, be an important factor in working with some of the, you know, the prospective England players here. There's, a, there's all kinds of uh, build-up drills that I would love to be able to show. And they're always saying, all my friends always say, do a video, you know, and sell it. Uh, I could do a video and sell it, but I'll, but I, you know, I, I think I've got a lot of things that I could, I could give to the, these players so that they can work on their own Yeah. because you don't get better. Well, I shouldn't say that. you don't get terribly better in practice. You get better out of practice right. when you're on your own. Sure. That's when you're going to really show improvement because you, you know, you're isolating your weaknesses and you're able to do that. And a in a proper in a regular training session, a lot of it's based on build up to a game, or I don't know if that makes sense, but it's no, a, no, absolutely, know. absolutely. Um, just just finishing up this kind of thing, I want to go back to uh, to the school in a minute, and your your sorry to your youth programs in a minute. Um, just with regards to like this coaching, like culture, you know, this uh, you know um, 
the, the British coaches. You know, what, any 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 thought process about that? Do you know about the community? Do you think that um, it was better? You know, when you first came here, or you know, coaches were more together, or do you think it's better now? What what what's your what's your thought process? And also, obviously, the governing body's role in coach education and stuff. Is there have you got thoughts on that? Uh, I have not seen seen it progress. Let's put it that way. It, it, I haven't seen the coaching fraternity progress in working together more. Um, it's uh, I I think it's something that's just you know it, it needs to change. We should be feeding off of each other. If you can, if you went, if you went to a coaching clinic. I, there's no. Is there any coaching clinics? Yeah, there is, but not enough. No, but if you went to a coaching clinic and you could get one point off of each coach, how much better would you be? Yeah. I mean, if you just took one one small point off of each guy that delivered or each um, woman that delivered, you got you know you got look at the philosophy that you could develop. But this doesn't happen enough. It doesn't happen at all. I no, mean, I, I think everyone is also, you know, is, I think the younger coaches definitely, uh, you know, are focused on, on the internet and YouTube and they, they can get a lot of resource there. And I keep saying, you know, you must be live. You know, I said this with, with Gary Maitland that, you know, it's one thing to see a coach on a video. But some, you're not seeing certain things. You're not seeing angles. You're not seeing what happens when the camera is not focused, either on him or the players or certain things he's teaching. And these are things you've got to you've got to experience in a live in a live manner. There's there's, there's nothing more. And I keep saying that to young coaches: go to other people's practices. Please go to other people's practices. Go to clinics, live clinics as well, and then you know just keep upscaling in a live setting. I think it's really important. That I mean, how I develop my my shooting camps, which they, they have been successful and quite popular. But how I developed them is I didn't sit down and have a brainchild. I, it's from going to all these different uh, shooting camps that I go go to in the U.S. and you know, going to working with Bobby Knight and having all these great coaches there. And that I just picked their brains, yeah. take a little bit from there, a little bit from there and develop my own philosophy and make that into a workout. Sure. But it, it just didn't come to me. You know, you got to get out there and mix with people. And there was, well, this would be off the subject, but I was doing a shooting clinic. I won't even say where, but there was a group of young coaches sitting up there and one of my assistants was sitting just behind him. They were giving me the riot act. You know, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? Oh, we don't do it that way. We don't do it that way. I I said, I said, it doesn't bother me. No, but, no. You know, they're, they're offended because there's somebody delivering to their players that might know more than they do. Yeah. An interesting. I get I get off the subject, but I'm a bit passionate. <laughs> no, I, I mean, and you should be passionate about that. I mean, um, uh, because you know, like I've said to people, um, look, it's not. Uh, um, you should never ever feel like. First of all, we're not all blessed to be like 
you know, world, world class. Like, let's take Nick Nurse, for example. Nick Nurse just happened. Nick could shoot the basketball. He really understood the individual fundamentals, but he also understand almost pretty much every facet of the game. That's why he's a world, world class coach. Not everyone can be at that level as a coach. And if you've got deficiencies um, that you know, or you've got to be able to, as a coach, be able to analyze those deficiencies and then find solutions. And sometimes those solutions aren't just you doing it, but going to other people that have got more experience or um, are better at doing that. It's as simple as that. That's what I, I've, I've always believed in. And I don't think, again, we have enough of those coaches in our country at this moment. I'm not, I'm not yeah, sure. They, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that over the years I, I have... Uh, thought I'd like to be more bold and say something, but I never do. I just, and that's not good either, but I just do it. You know, somebody wants me to come and do some work with them. I'm there. Yeah. I get calls. Can you come? My son would like you to do an hour with him over at the park. All right, I'll go. You know, I don't have, my ego doesn't hold me back from and say, well, I'll work with uh, Fab Flanoy. He, Fab came up one time and I did a couple hours with him, you know, and, Everybody's saying, go get that on YouTube and do this and that. Why? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I'm just no. doing some work with him. And if sure. an eight-year-old asks me, I'll do the same thing. Sure, sure. Because yeah. I'm a coach. I mean, that's what we do, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're again, this is not about, you know, he and she should have done this and uh, stuff like that. But I do wonder why you know you you haven't been used more as a resource even by the professional clubs who just you know for example you know being able to go to the sharks or the giants you know you know the eagles is you know like if i was there if i was head coaching those teams at this moment you know i would have had you in even if it's in pre-season it's just even pre-season or you know look we got this guy he's you know really a great you know really struggling with his shot you know could you come in and work with him you know that's we're i think we're we're certainly missing on that situation at this moment so right after saying you know that being a bit negative about it i i should say that betty cadona over at hatters has had me in several times sure Sure. several times she gives me the the floor and i and and that she does it in preseason usually to get them you know, I think that she likes to get them going that, you know, with a hard session, get them broken. I do a lot of shooting with them, but I, I have worked with them several times. They're a great group. Yeah, that's great. Um, just going back to the youth programs now at the school, um, I mean, you, you played a lot of National League. Um, was there ever any time that you thought about, you know, re, you know, redoing this, you know, academy process, uh, for, you know, East, you know, that you did at East Durham, you know, at your situation now at Denham, was there any, is there any, you know, chance that that could become an academy process, what you do now? I missed some of that. It was breaking up. Sorry, sorry, coach. Um, I was saying, um, that, you know, was, is there any chance that, um, or was there any thought about the the, the, the Danum program that you're Danum Eagles program that you're in now that you would you would put it into a like a full time academy process um, and start that whole East Durham kind of scenario up again? I would absolutely love to do that, and unfortunately, Doncaster just doesn't have the facility. Right. We, we had, when I was at Danum, we had the opportunity 
because I, I was full time and I could get in there anytime. So we could work out a lot and we, we could produce the time, you know, and the availability, but we, there's no accommodation. And then that, that's one thing. And then we've got, we're at located at a, a different place now, but there's no, uh, I've, I've spoke to him about making it a full basketball academy and recruiting and everything, but sure. it hasn't been the interest hasn't come back. So I would absolutely love to do that. It's the way to go. Right. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I'm looking for, I would look forward to, you know, getting in there. I'd be bringing in coaches all the time, you know, to, to do special sessions and yeah, it's not out of the, it's not, not completely gone, but it's, it's difficult because we just don't have the facilities. Yeah. And just on that quick point then, um, facilities, you know, in the UK, you know, we're still like in certain parts of the country, obviously Newcastle or Leicester have, you know, established facilities and there are some coming online, but, you know, are we still, is that one of our biggest issues for us as a sport in this country, you know, in your experience or, or do you, or is that an excuse for us that we're not, you know, that we use all the time? It, it could be used as an excuse by some, but it wouldn't, I think that, you have to have the facilities and it's availability too. You can have a beautiful big place like English Institute of Sport. Try getting in there. Yeah. You know, you're not getting in there. No. You know, there, there's five aside soccer going on. There's badminton. There's, you know, and you're lucky if you can, you can get in there because they, they, well, if they don't want to, you're going to pay a lot because you got to hire the equivalent of three courts to get you know just to have a training session i think it, it's availability and the, there is good facilities around the area but we've got some good facilities in doncaster but they're not it's availability sure the new college is brilliant brand new facility that we play out of now but it, it's getting a hold of it because you know they need it for the students they've got the all the coursework and stuff yeah and uh, i i you you know so just just linking that one back to the shooting, um, but I mean it was a different generation and stuff. But still, you know the fact that a young American player and then also in Europe they can get repetition and practice in good in the highest level of conditions. I mean, is is that gonna is that holding back a player? part of me in this country you know or do we think is that me just making an excuse for the player in this country you know they still they they should be able to overcome that i think that the main one of the main things is that you, you get the initial instruction and that foundation and base for any skill first by by a professional that know that can actually actually knows what they're doing I mean, I've gone into places where somebody, a kid will come up and say, I, I, my, my teacher taught me this. It's crocodile style. And they're shooting, <laughs> they've they got their hand in front of the ball, calling it the crocodile. I'm going, whoa, I think, you know, I don't know if that was the right one. But you, you got, you know, they, they need good instruction because, you know, bad, good, bad practices isn't any good. Right. Good practices, you know, and if you can get, if you get the instruction and then you do what you're told and you, and work on them fundamentals. That's, that's the key for me. Sure. Okay. Um, next subject, uh, biggest coaching influences in, in your career, who are the, who are the people that you credit the most 
was it your high school and college coach or is there anyone else outside of those two that you credit well coach Holmberger is the biggest influence um and this is it this is not it's not necessarily off the subject i i was a lazy student i ended up in a junior college for a year and coach Holmberger kept recruiting me and said there's a place here for you but you got to get your grades up and he he was patient and he got me in there and then you know he gave gave me three great years of uh basketball sure. you know and then he then he you know i, I went went away he had got me back as a as an assistant coach and there's nobody bigger in my basketball life than him right. you know he's been unbelievable now i've had the opportunity to work with you know like i'm not, I'm not yourself laszlo you know like all over this, I've, I've had a chance to work with some really good coaches, that, and like I said, just pick pick things sure. up from them sure. and develop your portfolio that way. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's but Coach Holmberger was definitely the biggest influence in my basketball. Right. Okay. Great. Um, and just just real quickly, back going back to those playing days, especially here in the UK. Who were some of the favorite players that you played with at that time? Were you, did you have anyone that you would like really enjoyed playing against or playing with? Well, playing with, we had, you know, there was, Craig Lynch was a great player. You know, like, I, I don't think people realize how good he is. He was a McDonald's first team All-American. Yeah, I mean, Craig. In high school. I don't think Craig would have would have ended up in the UK in this, in this generation, nor you either. You'd have both been internationally somewhere at least <laughs> well he was he was a player they, we had a lot of great players there obviously that around the, that league i mean if you look at birmingham greg white nba um, yeah. jim zoot nba stroder nba they they were six eight six ten six eleven across the line great players oh. I, i'm i'm I can't I, I, I talk forever steve ascender yeah. was one of the best players i ever played against over here he'd get in your face from as soon as the ball went up, guys like George Branch, George would be eat, eating your face off the whole game. He was an unbelievable player. Yeah. There was great players all over the place. I mean, yeah. the, the Alton Bird, you know, the guy was – he'd torture you because yeah. he'd, he'd dangle a, your chance to win. We, we were down one point with about a minute and a half left, and it, it was like he said, ah, let's finish this. It just <laughs> took over, you know, but the, the, those kind of players were dotted everywhere. Yeah. Um, it, it was great, Bontrager, and I, I can't. I, I mean, I could name a lot of them. Sure. The league was loaded with talent. Yeah, we does. had a guy named David Vaughn, seven foot, and played with the Virginia Squires. And David was a heck of a player. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of seven footers then. You know, like big guys, six ten, seven foot, that would come over and actually use this league as kind of a feeding ground to go back to the NBA. Right. You know, like Harvey Knuckles, Jim Sweeney, and Dick Miller all played at the University of Toledo. All of them went back and played in the NBA. Yeah, that's crazy. They, I mean, they, those guys could play. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'm reminiscing a bit. Reminisc- there, but... no, that's good, good stuff. Okay, three rapid-fire questions. Um, uh, favorite um, all-time coach? Like, it could be your assistant coach, but it could also be someone that you'd look up to, you know, in the NBA or NCAA. My favorite yeah, all-time basketball coach. I have to go back to Coach Holmberg again. <laughs> right. That's all. That's all I need to know. I can't, 
I can't get away from that no. because he, he is he was the biggest influence and guy won 600 games. Wow, that's awesome. Um, favorite uh, basketball drill, which I know you got thousands of drills, but if you if I can pin you to one or two favorite drills, my favorite drill is a thing called five minutes of hell, and it it incorporates a lot of a lot of different drills into one, but the philosophy of the drill is that you must be an arm's distance from your man at all times. And it's all about pressure and making reactions. So you, it, your ball handling is getting better. Your movement without the ball, you know, like getting the shots difficult because, you know, everybody's scrambling. I just love it. I love the drill. I use it at all my camps. And and, amazingly, kids like it. And that's 5v5 full court or just in the half court? 5v5 full court. Wow. Yeah. So it was basically... Do, do three minutes and then kind of a rotation but the kids always like it because they, they can get after it and they, and is is it, it, when you say that is is that uh they have to have be arms distance on the catch or even so there's almost a no help at times there's no help awesome. i know that's against the basic philosophy but no i say arm no, distance no. from your man all time yeah. and everything everything's a free ball if, if i score i can go get the ball back right so you, you're focused 24 seven. There's no walking it up. There's no, you know, like backpedaling after I hit a jumper, go get the ball. And it, they, I, it's one of my, it is one of my favorite drills. It's a, it's a drill that incorporates a lot of different stuff. Yeah, sure. Sure. That's, I love a, it. Uh, that's awesome. I, I feel like a little think about how to play, play around with that. That sounds, oh, that sounds great. Um, and then last question, do you have a, uh, favorite go-to saying or statement that you use almost at all your practice sessions or camps? Well, I, I'm going to have to say this cause everybody's going to, if I didn't, they, they'd uh, go wild, but we were, we were in a final, final four and we we're playing against hump long and we were down about 13 at halftime. And uh, I just said, I got a little passionate. I said, just go out and refuse to lose. <laughs> and they took it on. It's all over our shirts now and everything. I mean, they, they like it. Yeah. You know, like, and I, you go somewhere, like one of my assistants, one of the guys who helps with the coaching, he constantly repeating it, you know, like, but it just, it just took off and all the guys liked it. So we started plastering it all over our, all over our gear and stuff. But, Right. Just refuse to lose. Yeah. You go out, don't accept losing anything. And don't accept losing that. I'm denying that guy the ball. He got it. Don't accept that. Don't let him get it next time. Okay. I, you know, I did this. Refuse to lose. It, Abs- I, just, just last quick, quick question. Um, being American, you know, I know that you almost downplay this, but do you feel that we that's something else that we we don't we shy away from just wanting to win and the competitiveness um here in the uk you know like oh you know it's got to be you know everyone's got to play and you know games-based approach and you know you think that we're not teaching enough like to win you know our drills are not based on competitiveness and winning like they would be in in the states you think that that's a factor in the game here my philosophy is, like I said, you're playing every possession, every minute to win. You're playing the game to win. If the, the thing that you 
you learn if you lose is how to correct that and win the next time. Yeah. It's not, you don't accept losing and say, well, you know, well played, nice one. You gave it a good effort. Yeah, but we got beat. Yeah. So why did we get beat? You got to play to win. You got to play to win everything. Yeah. Uh, the, a guy that, Craig Lynch, geez, he, he, he played, he, play him a game of horse you, you better be ready yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. but you, yeah play to, you got to play to win i don't i don't think there's yeah you know, it's not unsportsmanlike to get after it for the full 40 minutes and then, then if you if you lose then you shake hands and you say we'll get you next time yeah. when we play we'll figure it out we'll get it coach uh that's a great way to end it um i just want to say thank you you know you really are a legend um you know i hope that um, the people to view this are going to, you know, see, you know, what you were about. I hope that, um, people can get in contact with you. I know that you're easily accessible, um, to people. I hope that people do access the young coaches, access you and get after you. And, um, I want to say thank you for being on the, uh, on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm just, it was, uh, it was an honor, really. I appreciate it. Thank you, coach. Thanks for listening to another episode of Time Out. You can now find all of our episodes on iTunes and Spotify, so please like, subscribe, and let us know who you'd like to hear from in a future episode.